0: With D2C brands making such a strong presence in india now and so many startups coming in in fact uh, i've had cases where we have a lot of people who are actually manufacturers also looking at trying to create brands uh, where well, they create labels for sure uh, but they want to want a pie, you know piece of that pie are there just too many players operating in this field today is there going to be some kind of a fallout will few people remain or this is always continue to be a very crowded place with people trying to come in and I know of companies today who only do shorts and it's such a niche category like for example go colors only does leggings or start it out that way so uh, the question that I'm asking is how is this going to overall impact the overall fashion business because if people are going to be just focusing on giving certain categories then will lifestyle brands over a period of time really mean anything to people What is the relevance that brands will have have, and how will they continue to connect with consumers over a period of time? Of course, some brands mean something because they've already been created and they have a certain salience with the consumer today and will continue to have that salience. But for the new brand who's trying to mean something uh, and has probably created a niche for himself in that particular small zone, will he really be able to grow larger with so many things happening today?
1: No, I think uh, uh, we should be clear what is the definition of uh, lifestyle. For example, a brand, you know, doing all the categories, you know, suppose uh, it's doing a shirt a jeans and uh, shorts and all that. Yes. I won't call that as a lifestyle uh, brand. See, the lifestyle brands actually is nothing but uh, you're trying to leverage uh, the strength or uh, equity you have created for a brand. Okay. And either you can do it yourself or the better way to do it, that's what all the international brands uh, do. Uh, To find an expert and then license to that expert. Uh, So that's how you have very large footwear. uh, People who may have the... I mean, Luxottica is a good example. Uh, They own the license for eyewear for everyone. But you may say that, you know, Tommy Hilfiger has got... It's a lifestyle brand because it has also got eyewear. But it has got nothing to do with the eyewear uh, which is being sold as Tommy Hilfiger. So... In fashion, in my view, uh, lifestyle definition is just milking the brand you have created. That's all. It's a milking strategy that it's not that, you know, it's a strategy saying that, you know, this is how I'm going to create the brand and uh, uh, I don't think there is any such uh, no objective. It's more about milking. I created a very good brand and then let me milk it. An easier way to milk it is to find an expert and then get the licensing income. So that is the uh, lifestyle uh, brand. Coming on the other side, uh, if you really look at it, uh, the D2C brand for them to succeed. Because see, there are uh, uh, the market became very crowded, and many of the manufacturers started becoming uh, no thought that they have created a brand because the platforms, you know, the e-commerce platforms in India, uh, they were hungry to establish themselves in India. In that hunger to establish, you know, in uh, meeting that you know hunger they actually funded in a way uh, all these brands the funding could be in terms of discount it could be in terms of working capital uh, because they may buy up the stock and keep it and uh, uh, so they actually in a way you know help them to, uh, to i mean increase the turnover to whatever 50 crores 60 crores 70 crores and 100 crores but the success of these brands uh, will f- fully depend on how long these platforms will fund them and very clearly, you are getting now signs that platforms are not going to fund them. They are pushing uh, the risk back to the manufacturers. So you you are going to find these guys are going to wither because if you don't have the funding, um, how you are you going to do it? So because you have built a model on a certain assumption, certain funding, certain easy way of getting uh, you know, uh, sales through discounts. Uh, so if you don't have that facility, we do not know how long they are going to survive. So it is better to, if you are talking about a specialist brand, even if it is in the D2C space, space, it is better to create on a certain strength. For example, say maneuver, uh, ethnic. Uh, so like that, if, if you can, there are brands, you know, for example, oversized uh, women brand, it could have a very large uh, potential uh, because that's a niche gap in the market. And then there is a thing and then Typically, you know that uh, segment of the market is very loyal because they don't get dresses, you know. And then, if you are able to have a connect with that customer, then you can have build a very uh, long term, you know, uh, brand. So you need to identify those niches and then create a brand for which can stand, you know, uh, for the imagery it is creating for the product, both you know functional as well as emotional uh, benefit of the brand. Rather than you know uh, stand on the Funding or the doles, you know, dished out by the e-commerce players.
0: That's very, very interesting. I want to actually, since we are discussing these things, want to get to a very interesting question that I found very interesting. Is this whole concept which fashion brands have created around seasons? You know, and today, in fact, it has got so ingrained into that they, you know, we teach it in fashion schools. So people who come out, you know, think seasonally. Uh, They don't really think go-to-market cycles Uh, in a sense that is what it's supposed to be Uh, but they think in terms of seasons etc which uh, then forces businesses to actually forecast for a certain larger period of time I feel it also makes inventory more efficient but these new D2C players the channels particularly they created their businesses. And they did not probably study the, uh, you know, the rule book on fashion business and they didn't really think of seasons. They just told people, mal hai, de do, let's just sell it. And this has kind of created a completely two different thinking processes in the market. When, uh, you know, there is a separate supply chain that is now t- trying to work towards the D2C businesses and there's a separate type of supply chain that is working on the legacy businesses. How do you think this this is going to play out. Do you feel seasons as a concept will die out? Do you feel that go-to markets will become more periodic or whatever, or different logics will emerge? How do you feel this is going to play out? Because uh, the the reason I'm asking this is because a lot of people, even today in the fashion industry, don't really differentiate or understand the difference between these two.
1: No, I think uh, we should... uh... Uh, look at it, you know, season purely from the point of view that, for example, in winter you need you have to produce clothes which are, uh, you know, which can protect you know consumers from uh, winter, and then uh, similarly in summer you have to produce something which is lighter, you know, could be horse sleeve or whatever it is. I, I think you know the season should be restricted to that. Rest of it, I think, see today I don't think uh, uh, everyone is now moving towards saying that you know and. It's not that no something, uh, this is not done, you know, only with uh, after D2C, C eh, brands have come in. Zara has done it uh, yes. for many years. Yes. Uh, so everyone has done. The yeah, they have broken the mold. Uh, I mean, many of the people who have broken the mold. The advantage, actually, the problem of uh, why Zara has done it or h HM has done uh, why the retailers have done it and why the brands have not done it is mainly because you had an end-to-end control of the channel for zara it is only their store so they can do anything they want uh, whereas if you are a brand selling to multiple uh, channels the channel partner will ask you this season autumn winter season you give me autumn merchandise you give me winter merchandise you give me summer merchandise you give me spring merchandise so the complication of channel has got no moved back to the product actually Uh, But if you are operating in one channel, I don't think, I think even the other companies would have shifted towards uh, when the market wants, you know, I'll produce. Because typically, uh, I think in a way, see, this is one of the things I started saying, the difference between FMCG, things efficiency. Uh, Here, since people are so obsessed with the product, in a way, they are lazy about thinking of anything else. So, a department store person who is buying, Uh, i think it's very simple for that person to go to some fashion show and then book orders and then forget about it because someone else uh, may take the risk or the company you know would have given him a budget and as long as he's within the budget he's fine so that's that's the thought process and they don't think uh, efficiency but when the questions start coming what is the inventory turn uh, which which i think the questions are now coming to this business i don't think there was this question of you know inventory turn in fashion business at least till 2022 <laughs> so uh, so now i think uh, when these questions come in i think things will uh, change season is more towards you know the kind of product you have to make uh, when the product is going to the market in the month of september vis-a-vis something going in the month of july Yes. that is what you know for example in india it's about festival you can't produce you know something which is uh ordinary looking and then say that no i will sell it in diwali so you should have that sense you cannot you know completely ignore the uh, the season from the market point of view uh, but it's not that you know that is the guiding uh, principle i think that guiding principle came because of the sh- demands of the channel ah demands of the channel is like that and then everyone fell into that uh, line and then when uh, even the channel uh, management is going to question the buyer on inventory turns even he will also change so everyone will change and i think i think that's what is happening i don't think it's a question of d2c it's simple no because i'm directly giving it to the consumer so i know exactly what that person is buying so i think We should not give too much credit to D2C that they foresaw that uh, whole thing. It's a question of uh, channel simplicity, which has really helped Zara and it is helping uh, D2C. I
0: really feel we should give some credit to Zara, not to the the D2C channels, I agree. I think it was more that they didn't read the rule book. I don't think they understood the concept. They had a channel, they needed product to sell and they just started selling it. No, this has been uh, fantastic and uh, Suresh, I just want to now move this conversation to slightly more on the supply chain side. You've always maintained uh, we have overly complicated our supply chain in apparel and it's ideally not that complicated. Yet products take so long to manufacture. Uh, And you've also seen this whole supply chain for almost 15 uh, years plus now. How, How do you see it has evolved and where do you think it is going to go next? The whole supply chain of the apparel business.
1: Uh, no, I think, you uh, see, uh, most important thing, I problem is uh, the thought process of the people in the industry is to say that, you know, we have the most complicated things in everything. Uh, everything we do. <laughs> so, I think if you remember, i always always said, no, this is the simplest product because there is one cloth, there is one thread and one button is there. That's all three <laughs> products vis-a-vis so many, you know, components of a car, for example. So I think. First of all, the minds, mindset change has to happen, saying it's a simple product. Okay, it is changing season by season. That's a complexity. But in, there's no complexity in terms of raw material. You know, and, and getting all these things put together and assembling together. I don't think there is a major... Uh, I, that mindset change should come saying that no, I'm dealing with a simple product. So once you know that I'm dealing with a simple product, I think you will uh, sort of you know, uh, change the way uh, you're working the way i think it is evolving is uh, if you really look at it uh, what, what i used to call as you know generations of uh, manufacturing or sourcing uh, initially it was all about you know you i mean any any uh, company that starts uh, will always start with its own manufacturing in any category and maybe 100 years be, before uh, that was the case with uh, uh, i mean you know any of the f- fashion uh, companies also and i think um, when Really, the demand, uh, for example, if you really look at it in the U.S. also, uh, the demand for uh, clothing, I think, started becoming larger and larger uh, because the entire consumerism and all really started taking shape when the baby boomers, you know, started spending money and the people who were born during the uh, Second World War, they started spending money in 60s and more 70s. When they could not, you know, because being a smaller country, I mean with a certain population, you, you can't you know, have manufacturing uh, sort of, you know uh, you, can't, you can't go beyond a point I mean, beyond a certain level in terms of the uh, number of pieces you can make. Then you should set up large number of factories. Uh, then as the market, I mean as the per capita uh, income is going up, then the salary levels was also going up. Then China I think provided that uh, big difference and then really gave that opportunity to outsource so the entire fashion industry moved from making your own to buying uh from outside so that is the 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 entire you know uh, the sourcing uh, part which i think you know they were doing through some uh, third party and all that you know more like uh, i have an agent and that agent will go and source it for me and then give it to me then the next stage is all about you know building that strategic relationship uh, with the even if there is a third party, even if there is someone in between, but they were able to build strategic relationship with the vendor, uh, so that they are able to start working on you know um, in terms of uh, sharing st- some data, and if something is doing well, pr- produce faster and give it. Uh, supplying on you know uh, something you know if you know the inventory data, you know you hold some inventory and then supply it to the brands. You know some sort of a strategic relationship. Uh, uh, developed. The fourth uh, generation is all about, you know, where I think more or less this uh, in between, you know, um, if you are not adding great value, uh, the middleman, you know, Feng kind of people were uh, disappearing. And factories, I mean, the companies were establishing direct relationship with the uh, brands. And also providing design support. Uh, so, uh, it is not you know, just uh, supplying i i mean you don't for example you know we are talking about uh, certain categories i may not be a specialist i may just take the design of the vendor and then uh, produce it so that's i would say the fourth generation and i would say the fifth generation is now about uh, outsourcing it completely when i say outsourcing it completely it is something like you know uh, if you really look at the future of the companies uh, the future of the companies are the companies which do not do every, everything themselves, but companies which know how to get the best to know from wherever the source is available. You may say that I will just do the product, the rest of it I will outsource. So your ability to build an ecosystem around you which you can tap on is much more uh, important for your success than saying I'm an expert in everything end-to-end. So if you really look at uh, the entire value chain from the raw material to the consumer, and you just pick up one small place where I'm going to really add value, really add value deep into that place and outsource the rest of it. I won't call it outsourcing because outsourcing becomes a very transactional thing, but I have an ecosystem which can, that ecosystem today actually be companies can, even have their own competition as part of that ecosystem. Okay. So, not necessary that, you know. Uh, so, it is developing in that manner that I built an ecosystem around you. I will really focus on this narrow and do that exceedingly well. And I have the ecosystem where that company will do exceedingly well in that part, you know, which I am taking it from them. So, that is the way I think uh, it's going to evolve. So whether or not, for example, uh, whether you can completely outsource uh, supply chain, that means you may not have, uh, you, you may have uh, ideators in your uh, team, in the company team, but may not have someone who will convert that idea into sketches and technical, you know, the, uh, technical, uh, no, uh, for uh, giving it for manufacturing and all that. Some broad idea uh, give and then have someone who can actually convert that idea into end products. And not only end products and then supplying it at the right time. And then if you are even able to reach to the consumer, uh, I mean, you, you keep adding uh, value. So that's how I think uh, you are. To, I mean, you have to build your ecosystem. and um, Then that is the ecosystem every company will have to build so that you really do. Because today the competition is so intense. Unless you are sort of superb in something you're doing, you're not going to win in the market. And you can't be superb in everything, you know, you're doing. So you need to pick your place where you can really add value and build that ecosystem.
0: Well, this is, is, I think, very, very good insight uh, for all our uh, viewers. Uh, I have uh, another very interesting question that I had in mind. Uh, You know, technology is today playing a very uh, important part in almost everything we do. And uh, particularly, uh, you know, in the fashion business, we have seen uh, the emergence of these D2C businesses, the various channels, I think now Omnichannel is becoming uh, very, so how do you, uh, and I I would like to kind of differentiate in two ways, which is uh, warehouse to consumer, uh, and how we are reaching the consumer, it could be that part of the supply chain, and also the consumer interface, what it does for you, and how does the product reach the warehouse as the other uh, uh, space that I see technology possibly coming in, uh or if there is any other way in which you look at it if you could just share with us where do you think the technology is going to play a very large role going forward or how is this going to change you know what we are doing
1: no i think uh today uh, still you know we are looking at technology on a very siloed basis so you look at you know what's the supply chain digitization i will do yes. what customer personalization i will do though i mean how do I get, you know, my product up in, my, in a, say, a e-commerce platform? So you sort of look at it in a very siloed uh, manner. I think what is going to happen is as we go forward, I think two uh, significant, two big things. One is a complete, you know, single view of the inventory on one side and then single view of the customer on the other side. Uh, because if you know both, uh, then you can connect both easily. Uh, so that single view of inventory is about uh, inventory of raw material available with your uh, the last you know uh, I mean end point you know the first point on the left hand side you no know, from the company side yeah. uh, consumer if uh, consumer is on the extreme right uh, the raw material on the extreme uh, left so you should know the inventory from there uh, till wherever you no know, in the warehouse stores everywhere. And that inventory should be single uh, view of that inventory you should have. If you have that single view, then you can use that inventory the way you want. Uh, So that I think uh, is the most important thing, which means you are connecting to some. Sometimes you you may have to connect uh, your warehouses to the or your stores to the uh, vendors. And that's why ecosystem becomes important because he is not a vendor is part of your ecosystem. Someone who is part of your ecosystem, you don't mind, you know, sharing the information. Uh, so that is what uh, you will do and similar, similarly the the one view of the consumers and that is where of course D2C brands you know have an advantage. Uh, because if you are doing both brick and mortar and uh, uh, online, you have a complete knowledge of the consumer behavior in the stores. But you don't have that online, whereas D2C brands know, know their consumer intimately because just by putting a crawler, they know exactly the behavior of the consumer and they have a complete view of the consumer. Once you have a complete view of the consumer and complete view of the inventory, you can bring them together very easily. So that is where I think the technology will uh, pivot. Uh, how do you bring you know the inventory and uh, consumer together through have one view of the inventory and one view of the consumer?
0: I think it's it's a very strategic uh, insight, uh, Suresh, that you've given us. Uh, so, Suresh, thanks for this uh, you know, amazing insights that you've given to us uh, on various aspects of the lifestyle business. So, any last words from you, anything that we missed out, anything you want to share with our viewers?
1: You know, I think uh, it's going to be very interesting times uh, for fashion industry. Uh, definitely, the conversation is going to shift more uh, towards the efficiency. And uh, it's not, you know, efficiency in place of the product. Uh, the winners are going to be you know uh, who are going to do you know both, both uh, right. right i think that's going to be uh, important
0: so thank you so much suresh thank you so much for coming and sharing your uh, you know experience and thoughts with us i think this has been an extremely enriching session for me and i'm sure our viewers will also find it very very good so thank you again so much suresh uh,
1: my pleasure ananya thank
0: you, thank you.